Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Say Something Interesting, the follow-up podcast from East Lake Tri-Cities that uh, attaches what we talked about on Sunday, goes a little bit further, uh, hopefully contains some just generally uh, interesting material for you as you go about your week. My name is Brent. With me, as always... Hey, guys. It's Margo. Margo. And uh, we just finished up uh, part three of our Flipping Table series, a series on social justice. It's a Monday morning. We're coming at you. A Monday where, uh, over the weekend, the Seahawks won and the Patriots lost, which is unique doesn't usually happen like that for us the Patriots just never seem to lose and we kind of have not looked great so I came in a little cheery this morning and uh Margo came in not caring (laughs) Margo came in like oh yeah is that what happened (laughs) uh but I did we talked uh before the podcast started the one thing that kind of caught my attention was see I don't even remember his name Cleveland Browns Josh team. Gordon. He recently got traded to the Patriots, which right. he's probably like, finally, I'm free. Totally. And I mean, he, blood, sweat, and tears stuck by the Browns. I mean, contracted by the Browns. Yeah. For, you said, several years. Yeah, I, I think it was like seven years. Now, he's had some some serious issues in the past, disciplinary stuff, drug issue stuff, uh, and oh, health Bill issues. Bill don't stand for that, so. And has not really played a full season in a long, long time, so... Uh, it doesn't feel like seven years, but I think if I remember right, it was like 2012 when he came to the league. Wow. But uh, he They've leaves. never had a winning season since then. He's been on a terrible team his entire time. He's a fantastic athlete when he can keep it together and keep it on the field. And then gets traded to the one of the best teams with the best histories of it, you know it all ever. And then all of a sudden in that week, the first week he's there, the Patriots lose and the Browns win. Crazy, crazy. Like, I just feel like it'd be so hard to be on Struggle Street with the Browns so long and see this city that I'm sure at this point he has some affinity towards. Yeah. You can't like I loved Cleveland after being there for a couple months, um, and so seeing them celebrating and not being able to be a part of that is going to be a little hard. In prime time, right? Like so, like Thursday night, no other games are going on, so everybody's watching you. It's Thursday night. Uh, your head lead quarterback, your primary quarterback, goes out with an injury, so they have to bring in the number one draft pick from this last year that you've kind of wanted to see anyways. He comes back and leads them back from a fourteen points down to win the game, and ah, it's. The place goes nuts. The place went nuts. There was something to do. Like Bud Light had some sort of campaign. I don't know if you saw this. Oh, free beer. I just like all my Cleveland friends are saying something about free beer. Yeah, that's what Cleveland needs on a night like that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sure the police officers are like, ah. I love Cleveland. Like loved my time in Cleveland. But like they're close. Like Cleveland and Pittsburgh are probably two, two hours and 20 minutes away from each other. And so when people, because I have friends still in Cleveland, they're like, why don't you come back to Cleveland? Here's the thing. Okay. Cleveland is magical and wonderful. Okay. Wonderful. I think tread natu- carefully. Tread carefully. I, I think naturally Cleveland wins because the lake is beautiful and they have a park system that you you can go horseback riding through their parks and you feel like you're on a mountain. Like it just it's very secluded and they have this thing called the Emerald Necklace, which is the string of parks you can go kayaking down these rivers and you feel like you're you're in the woods, wow. like really in the middle of the city. Opposite of what I thought. Exactly. Opposite it's, of what I thought. And they have like some of the best flea markets I've ever been to and record stores and all these things. But the one thing I will say is that the sketch factor in some of Cleveland neighborhoods is higher than Pittsburgh. Super sketch? Uh, the stuff that happens in Cleveland makes national news pretty frequently. Like that guy that had those 12 girls like kidnapped in his upstairs room and all that. Missed that one, but uh, not going to go look for it. One of my favorite things is the neighbor. It was one of those like funny interviews. It was like this black guy was like, I ate barbecue with that man. <laughs> like he was just so shocked. <laughs> but like I love Cleveland, but it there's definitely parts of Cleveland that I don't feel safe in. 
and the, versus Pittsburgh where there's parts that are, I don't feel like I, I wouldn't set up tent there, but it's, it just it didn't feel as unsafe. So yeah. I'd say Pittsburgh that has more livable areas. See, I, I would not have figured, and here's the reason why. Uh, well, one of the reasons Cleveland is why. cheaper though. That's like, that's a point in its factor as, as cheap as Pittsburgh is for houses. Cleveland is even cheaper. So the HBO show Hard Knocks did the training camp with the Cleveland Browns this year because primarily Baker Mayfield, the number one draft pick, was on the team and there was some quarterback controversy, blah, 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 blah. Um, and uh, so they do this intro. And in the intro, they always shoot scenes like from the city. And uh, the scenes that they picked for like, let's highlight Cleveland, it was like these shipping docks. And it was... Uh, the picture of LeBron's like big giant mural coming down and just brick buildings in like a downtown nondescript place. It was just like, I would think that you would kind of like show all of those things that you just talked about and none of them made like the intro That's scene. That's really disappointing. Yeah. So There's some poor, beautiful poor parts. I mean, like their Museum of Fine Arts, which is amazing like up there with any museum i went to new york or boston is free like there's so many really and rock and roll museum is rock and, well, hall rock of fame and, that's expensive that's like 60 bucks a person yeah but, but i mean it's there like and then the football think... hall of fame isn't too far from right. there too uh, yeah. like i don't know cleveland is wonderful and i'm sad that, oh, that intro. there you go cleveland listeners if you're listening from <laughs> cleveland i don't know why you would be but <laughs> At least that's, that's my two cents. I'm not happy. good enough to move back to, but I'm happy for them. Like I'm happy. Fun for Fun to be win. two and a half hours away. Yeah, I've never been to Cleveland. Uh, has Matt ever been to Cleveland? Are you gonna take him there? No. Yeah, we're we're gonna. Well, because the Christmas Story House is there, and so we'll be there around Christmas um, time. So we gotta go visit the leg lamp. Abs- absolutely. Do they do they hype that up? Do they make it's that? It's twenty four a- hours. They have the house that it was filmed in is a museum. Oh, that's, cool. I've, I've done the tour like five times. <laughs> So giving tours at this point yeah pretty much uh and it's great it's the best thing about the museum is that it's an interactive museum so they have like like the bowling ball that she plops on the dad's lap and he's like oh and they have the red rider bb gun they have the bunny suit that you can dress up in and you can what? take and you can take they pictures. let you dress up in that thing and they take pic you can take your own pictures anywhere it can't in the be house. the real one and not no, after no, all no, these no, years no, no. just the different okay yeah. i mean they sell them in the gift shop so they uh, have yeah, yeah, they have yeah. several bunny suits got that it. you can that makes way more sense i mean you can crawl under the sink and be like daddy's gonna kill ralph because kyle and i did a tour in uh in la once at universal studios and they had uh the the central perk uh, oh, shop yeah. for for friends York had and they too. had the actual couch Ooh. and they would not let us sit on the couch because for a while they had just let anybody sit on the couch and it was starting to lose its its bounce Springy. its springs and uh but we uh anyways we were in a tour group where the guy at the end i think he i think he uh well kylie's pretty cute so i think it was part of that <laughs> you know what i mean my wife i think so he was like hey you guys want to sit on the couch like he's cutting oh. us like this huge deal he's like let, let these guys go around the corner and then you guys sit on the couch so we actually got a picture of sitting on the couch the famous couch the couch and yeah. it's probably not even the real couch could have been the fourth couch they just went through but it felt good yeah to go go to the christmas story house that's it's awesome worth it. all right well now i got cleveland on a list of things to go see someday and Maybe you can meet me there and give me a tour. Yeah, I love doing that stuff. <laughs> so great. Did you have a rest of the, a good rest of the weekend? Yes, we uh, we played some more Dungeons and Dragons. Was yeah. that way too I just late? asked her. We have a staff uh, game night tomorrow night, and I uh, at, at our house we're hosting. And I was like, Hey, you got you and Matt excited about game night tomorrow night? And she she goes, Ugh, Matt's 
he's been just so tired lately. I, he's been grumpy. He gets grumpy when he gets tired. <laughs> and then she proceeded like a couple minutes later to be like, yeah, we were out till 2.30 in the morning playing Dungeon Dragons. I'm like, come on, you cannot. But then I told him like, he was not a pleasant person to be around yeah, at that time. But Mr. Grumpy Pants needs you, to put his sassy pants. pants away and let's go. <laughs> let's- and he knew it too. He's like, those Red Bulls were off and I like just took a nose dive We're going to the teach you guys Chameleon, the new game that we got. And... uh Kylie's probably going to have some snacks and treats and stuff, and it'll, it'll be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm super excited. Everyone's like, Where, what's the address? Yeah, when, okay. do, when do I come? Where do I come? <laughs> if uh, that sounds fun, then you should start a community group you for should. board games. Because I had one, and it was awesome. Yeah, you select tricities.com slash marketplace. If you can't find it, create it. That's our little slogan for... Everyone loves board games. Yeah. Especially like this season, man. Kylie and I went on a walk yesterday, and it was so nice. It was like... It's like it's warm enough, like in the I sunlight. Like yeah, to be like, okay, I, I wore a short sleeve t shirt and, and some shorts, but chilly enough when you got in the shade where you're like, you know, you, you got to kind of plan for that a little bit more. Start got moving faster or something like that. And we're just entering into this great fall season where one, college basketball is about to start back up again, which is super exciting. Uh, but then also just like, you know, pumpkin. I don't, I'm not into pumpkin spice, but I do like. I do like the excuses that people find to kind of do fun, like chai eggnog uh, stuff, uh, uh, peppermint hot chocolate. Soup. Yeah, like all the soups and just the one. Kylie's favorite season is fall. It's growing on me. It used to not be my favorite, but hunting season, basketball stuff, just shorter days, more nights where you get home and, and it's easier to put the kids to bed because it's dark outside. And you're like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, we're going to play board games. So and, and just like the holidays, the extra time because, you know, there's some extra extra days off or something like that. It's always good. I'm super pumped. I, I just feel like I love living in a place with the four seasons um, so that you do fully experience uh, all of that and you have a good kind of fall and, and, and whatever. So, yeah, that's good. I like it. I like it. I did uh, meet somebody at church on Sunday who's from Boston. Uh, she she uh, came for uh, John and Kristen Middleton. We're doing their um, oh their baby shower baby shower thing. Yes. And so she flew over from there. Yes, I remember. And I said uh, I said Boston. How's Boston this time of year? I said you know because I always hear Boston in the fall. Like that's the I don't know if that's the. I mean, there's not a lot of trees in Boston, so which is crazy. Like, does it feel very different from any other time? I don't get it, man. Like, I, like the Commons is probably like your one spot finding trees, and it's not very. It's not anything. And she to said, Park "I or, think the trees are turning more here than they are back home." And I was like, "I've always had it on my mindset someday to go to to Boston in the fall." Well, you had to go October. Yeah, I mean, I, I would go later. I wouldn't go this. But the fact that they're not even turning it, she's like, they're probably, like, when I go home, they'll probably be starting to turn in that way. It um, all but, depends on the weather they had during the summer. There's so many factors, which, I mean, New Hampshire, the biggest tourism is fall foliage. Uh, and so there's people from all over the world. I think, like, 5 million people a year travel to the New Hampshire White Mountains to go leaf peep, as we call it. And it's so it's so devastating because I'm thinking I'm like these people like a family from Germany has bought these super expensive plane tickets has gotten hotels in the highest price they're ever going to be all year yeah and they could come and if there's too much rain there's no leaves left on the trees yeah. or if there's like it doesn't get cold enough soon enough they haven't changed colors like talk about trying to hit a moving Time target right. and spending a lot of money yeah <laughs> uh, so Kylie found out the other day this is this will be fun November. 16th i believe is national take a hike day did you know that that's fun yeah so i have a bumper sticker that says take a hike yeah and i mean it in the nicest way in in uh, and so she mentioned this because she we we usually on our anniversary 
go for like a big hike somewhere. And we didn't do it this year. I can't remember why. We had some other things going on. And so we're going to Hawaii next week. And we are planning on some really great hikes in Maui, which is going to be awesome. And then she said, and we get back. Then like the fall changes stuff and the holidays and all that good stuff. And then it's National Hike Day. And I said, really? Like that seems really late in the year to do a hike. I love fall hiking. It's my favorite. Oh, man. Like if you get lost on a hike in July, like you're going to survive. You're going to make it. You get lost in a hike mid-November. I don't know, man. I mean, I just feel like it's a way safe from. I'm hedging my bets. and Because up in the mountains anyways, it's nice and cool in July. Like, you go to the gorge, and you go up in there. Like, you don't need a jacket. It's it's nice. But it's not like you're sweating either. It's There's trees and, and, and just the higher air and all that kind of stuff. So why would you make November? That feels so weird to me. And then here's what I found out, too. The commercial that talked about it being a... She's going to kill me for talking about this. I should probably stop, but I can't. I'm too far in. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching too far his in. face. I'm too far in. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this week's podcast. The commercial that says that talks about National Hike ends with it brought to you by AARP. Um, and so I looked at her and I said, is that where you got the, this? Inf- How did you hear about National Take a Hike? Because I thought maybe it's not National Take a Hike Day. Maybe... AARP said it is one and she smiles like gives me that awkward smile like I don't want to talk about it and what I found out is that when she is feeding Clive in the middle of the night and can't watch a video on her phone or Instagram stories because it's too loud to wake me up she instead does a crossword and she found out a free crossword app published by AARP she's doing AARP crosswords at two in the morning. But it's balanced out because she's and feeding ad, a newborn baby. And the ad on the bottom says National Take a Hike Day. That's how she found out about it, you guys. ARP is just trying to kill off older people so they don't have to continue oh, services. that might be it. You might have <laughs> yeah, nailed it right there. Oh, yeah, take a hike in November. Oh, January is a great time for an outdoor <laughs> hike. You should absolutely do it. And we will say to our, our listeners that are thinking of taking a hike, make sure you they say always prepare to be on the mountain for several days and in all kinds of weather. So yeah. be prepared before you go out, even if it looks like a beautiful day. Weather can, weather got can any, change. Got any hikes planned before you, you, you do the big move? Um, me, when my mom comes up in October, we'll probably, we're going down to Bend, so we'll see if there's any little oh, hike, yeah. hikey-poos we to can Bend do. Yet? No, I haven't. You are going to love Bend. Bend is amazing. Cool. Yes, and plenty of hikes and lots of cool stuff. And uh, good. Good. Awesome. All right. Well, we are <laughs> way left. into this episode and have not talked about church yet. Uh, we should the probably do hiking. Flipping Tables Week 3. Uh, talked about Amos Chapter 3. Uh, went through kind of uh, his approach towards what people find their security in, uh, the fortified mansions and the religious systems, and uh, all of the all of the things that cause us to think we're good, which is why Israel like most gated this... communities in Texas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I left last night, my car was unlocked and the windows were halfway down. And I, I mean, like I, I should be very careful by talking about this, but like I got out in the car this morning and I go, oh, oops, I left my windows down last night, yesterday. And I, I didn't think it once, like I've definitely lived in neighborhoods where had I done that. <laughs> I'd be laying in my bed going, crap, I just left my windows down. I need to go out there and 
and and bust them up. You know, small aside. So we're you know we're moving to Pittsburgh, yeah. and we just put that Thule basket on the top. Which saw your I'll say your car has evolved in the last. I'm month. like I'm just gonna go all Pacific Holy Northwest smokes. while I can. <laughs> There's like 30 stickers on the back now. It I'm used to be. It. Just the Millennium Falcon and the Barb Barb deserve better. And now you've got like national parks from everywhere. I like else. that idea of like all the places you travel. For sure. Not having like the giant stickers, but like smaller ones. Anyways, Go for uh, it. so the Thule basket, pretty spendy. Thule is like a Swedish company and they like totally exploit you for that. And then like the crossbars are annoyingly expensive. Could not afford the Thule ones because they're like $250 a bar. And I was like, yeah, what? No. And then I find out they're like, oh, if you want to like have your basket locked and secured onto your car, it's like $150 a point, like a, a joist point. So that's times four just to be able to like lock it to your roof. And I was like, well, here's to hoping uh, when I'm in the interesting parts of Pittsburgh that no one has a hexagonal <laughs> Allen yeah, wrench and yeah. it's just like, sweet, free basket. Yeah, the tool hunters. <laughs> I'm like, what What a horrible company that's like, we're going to make these super expensive products and then like exploit you if you want to like have them in any way secured to your car. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I told you about our crossbars, right? Mm-mm. So I bought crossbars like you wanted them back from the accident, right? Yeah, I I put them on our old Traverse like two months before we got in that accident, and uh, then I I called the insurance company up after the accident, like three months after, and went down to the junkyard, found the old car, and was up on top. Good for you taking the crossbars I don't blame out. You. I wasn't even sure that they would fit, and they did. It was great. So, I have like a new appreciation for people with car accessories because those things can yeah. add up quick. Yeah. I think uh, I think I even got them at a, like an employee discount or something because it was like a Chevy thing. And I know a couple of people at Chevy, but it was still expensive enough to go, to take time to go down to the wreckage site. Also, I got to see the car that I almost died into. So that oh. was kind of exciting. Okay, we're Got totally getting pictures. off off topic, but my totally. last my last thing is my bum, my number one bummer about putting that rack on the car, which I'll share with people that are considering racks, is I can't take it to the, through the car wash without getting the rack off. You have to take it off. They they make you. It like it says that in the Thule handbook, oh. and I think it's because some of the the spinners yeah. are like the long cloth, and it. they would just wrap around all the. I'm like, Got oh. it. Is it easy to take on and off though? I, we haven't tried yet, but I mean, it took them so long to put it on that it's not like a, hey, babe, take this off so I can run through the car wash for five seconds. True story. I had a uh, car rack. when We bought the the roof racks so that we could put this like plastic shell container thing on top mm-hmm. uh, for some luggage things and uh, forgot it was on there one day. Started driving into my garage. No. Hit the top of it. Goodbye. St- uh, no. It actually, I caught it, but it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I was like, what was that? And uh, luckily, like, I hadn't installed the bars quite correctly, which is so perfect, because they just kind of slid, slid back. backwards. They absorbed the shock. <laughs> I got totally lucky. Totally lucky. Oh, man. So don't take advice from us. No. But flipping tables. Yeah. Social justice. Yeah, exactly. Um, just... Uh, uh, another another week of kind of walking through exegetically the the stuff taking place with his with his uh, deal and it moved away from like strategy into kind of some practical stuff and and really the idea that that he found himself talking to a people group that probably didn't feel that's the that's the big point of chapter three that I felt like was so important um, they didn't feel like they were in any danger 
And when you don't feel like you're in any danger, when somebody comes up to you and be like, hey, be careful, you're like, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine. I bought um, Girl Scout cookies. I'm a philanthropist. Like, there are sometimes when you go into a danger zone, you are very aware that I need to be careful here. I need to wear the right shoes. I need to, I, if I'm going on a hike in November, I need to plan for it. Um, it's the times when you're going on a hike in July and you're like, who cares? We're not going to get lost. And you don't pack even a bottle of water. I see those stories all the time. And then you get lost. Hiking and in flip flops like, and shorts. Yeah. And- so it's the idea of, of being aware of it and then preparing for it. And that's what's taking place. Uh, here he's talking to this nation who's growing and, and looks around and goes, economically, we're doing great. And we've got the, we're, you know, we're doing all the worship stuff. We're doing all the things that he kind of wanted us to do. And they've kind of blinded themselves to the fact that they've allowed wealth to get out of position in terms of importance has become way more of a priority than anything else. And then worship has become just an avenue for, uh, like speaking to their conscious or getting past like some of their conscious efforts of here's what I want to do is what I want to be. And, and I'm doing all the things that I think I'm checking all the boxes in terms of religious connection and I'm doing what is owed to me. So I liked, um, you talked about, the young young rich man that Jesus tells him to go and sell all of his possessions and all these things. And I like that you clarified, because a lot of people have heard that before, if they've been in a church environment, that this was not a mandate for everyone. <laughs> like, right. yeah. if you have any wealth, you're, like, you're not allowed to have any of that. And um, he just knew for him it was a specific issue. It had a really strong hold on his heart that um, could not be broken until he broke up with his stuff, essentially. Yeah, and that's not to say that Jesus wasn't, like never had anything to say about uh, money and living, living not in not in poverty, but like very, living generously, minimally. living minimal. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Because the like disciples live super minimally. That's a theme that goes on over and over again. But the idea of giving up everything um, feels extreme, and it was extreme. And he goes, in this example, I can be extreme because um, I'm trying to point out to your heart, you know, the, what's going on, and. You almost think you wonder if, like the story of of Abraham almost sacrificing Isaac up on the on the mountaintop on Mount Moriah, right? That's like this story that's like, oh my gosh, so extreme. Like he's waiting for him to get to the pawn shop and be like, just kidding, just, bro. Yeah, okay, okay, not everything, okay. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that could have taken place. We don't know the end of the story, um, and uh, yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of what I was thinking with that. Um, we also talked about the shrewd manager one, which is always a fun one to preach and talk about. It doesn't like, it's hard to do a full sermon on it. So I love interjecting that one every once in a while on it and, uh, and saying like, not all the parables are as clear cut and easy and like, oh, that's really nice. That would look great on a napkin. You know, (laughs) um, this is, this is one where you're like, I don't even know what to do with this one. And I love that. I love that piece of it. Cause he's, he's basically, he's basically, uh, affirming somebody who we would say is not the hero in the story. That's not the hero. He did a bad thing. Like he took advantage of his master and, and you have nothing to say about that. And he's like, ah, but he, he recognized the stuff's just stuff, you know? And, uh, man, that's, that's really good. And it really teaches something about parables too. Like when it comes to parables, um, uh, it's a story with a point and it's to try and draw other points out of it. Um, always falls short of, well, those are always subject to the main point, which I, I, I can, there probably is a great series in that about other things. And, and sometimes people can take 
examples of some parables and go some pretty unique ways with some pretty unique interpretations. And then you have to come back to what was the ultimate point of the parable? That's the one that should be no, non-negotiable. Everything else is kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Take it or leave it on those ones. So. Uh, one of the other things that I really liked um, that you like dipped your toe in and that we kind of wanted to unpack a little bit more is like, uh, here's a here's a question from the viewers at home, at least a question I think people that haven't spent a ton of time <laughs> delving into theology. Yeah. What is the fear of the Lord? Because um, like there's so much advice that says like those who have the fear of the Lord will be saved. Like those who have fear of the Lord make good choices. Like what is this fear of the Lord? Yeah. I said a line. I had it written down and I read it. I think in both services, and the line was, and it wasn't on the screen, but to it came after that tagline or the takeaway, God cannot bless those who use violence to gain possessions and power. Um, and the line was to behave oppressively, to to respond in a way that does take advantage of people for your own personal benefit and at the loss of, at their expense, to behave oppressively is a sign that one does not fear God. Like you don't genuinely believe that God loves that person as much as he loves you. So therefore taking advantage of him, of that other, you know, that person is really kind of an me and them issue and not a God issue. And it reduces God's sovereignty to like a vertical relationship and takes away entirely this horizontal relationship where uh, I think a lot of times what you see in scripture is um, God anti, you can't be a jerk over here. You can't operate in sin over here and then come to me and ask for forgiveness um, without first going to that person. Leave your sin at the, uh, leave your, um, uh, leave your sacrifice at the altar and go make restitution with that person. Cause we can feel bad for what we did over here and then feel, feel, feel bad enough to confess it to God and ask for forgiveness, but not bad enough to actually go make it right with that person. And, and God's like, that's not how this works, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and so that's that's a big piece of it. Like if you genuinely feared God, not like I'm so afraid of doing something wrong that he's going to squash me like a bug or send punishment my way or whatever. But if I genuinely believe that he is sovereign and has authority over all of these things, um, then I'm going to operate out of that, out of that and of that and be like, I don't. I don't do this. I, I don't. I don't do this out of fear of punishment. I do it out of fear of awe and with awe and respect towards who he is. I think fear of the Lord establishes like real relationship, uh, because say you're just like, like in a human relationship, you're just flirting with someone, or you're like, oh, like we like each other, but like, is that going to stop you from you know talking to other people and going on other dates and kind of living your own life? Whereas once you say like, all right, like we're about this, we're about each like, other, we're exclusive in this we're way, we're exclusive. Right. Uh, you're gonna hopefully and if that's real to you and if that's not just real but important to you yeah the choices that you make in your daily life are going to reflect that so i would say fear of the lord is saying like i have a relationship or i'm pursuing a relationship with god and my life choices are going to reflect that yeah which is why we often hear like holy people like people that we would look up to and say like these people if anyone has it together apart from jesus it's these folks they always talk about how good it is to have a fear of the Lord. And it's not like, oh, because they make all the right, like, if, why are they afraid of God if they make all the right choices? It's not about that. It's about uh, making your life reflect the relationship that you have or the relationship you're pursuing. Yeah, so that brings up something, and I, I'm i going to say it even though I haven't thought through this, so you can't hold me to it because <laughs> I don't know if I'd do this, but I, in my relationship with my wife, Kylie, I 
I will not do things out of fear of what she might not do to me or like, or that the fear in our marriage, I will not do this because I'm afraid that she will remove relationship from me. I don't think she's going to. And the best thing about that smite me do, you know, all that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm fearful of like her right to be like, yeah, then, then this relationship is not a a priority to you. And I'm not going to be one sided in this. So I will remove myself from this relationship, which is, like I'm living in fear of Kylie or the fear of the loss of the relationship. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think um, one of the most important and factors of that is being able to acknowledge like there's things I know that would really hurt Matt that I don't fully understand. Like I don't really know why like this would offend him or why this would bother him, but I know it would. And so even though I don't have full understanding, I'm still going to respect that, which I think is a super translatable thing to our relationship with God. Cause there's so many things being like, I like you really want me to like yeah. not do. doesn't like, make sense to me, but okay. Whatever. Like how would this hurt you yeah. if I just go? And that's and- part of relationship. As you develop in a relationship, you know more about that. And then uh, occasionally, some of those things that were unknowns, hopefully throughout the length of a relationship and tenure of a relationship, become known to you. You can mm-hmm. begin to understand, oh, those are insecurities from this past relationship, and he, he doesn't want me to go down that road or say those things or do those things or be in that way because he's been hurt in this way. Okay, I, I, I can get that. Like, I can understand it, and now it begins to shape why. If I lead into it well with, well, I don't think it's wrong, so therefore I'm just going to do it. Um, then that proves that I really don't prioritize the relationship and I don't really fear um, the option of, of him withdrawing from this relationship or her with, withdrawing from this relationship or or just being like, okay, I can see that it's not as much of a priority for it as it is for me as it is for you or whatever. So, yeah, big piece of it. Good stuff there. I like that. It's great. Um, I did a quote. You mentioned uh, some stuff from Bonhoeffer at the end. I felt like in, I don't know which service you attended uh, if you're listening to this, um, but uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to post second service. And I think I, I did a better job in illustrating why I felt like this quote was important. Because first service, I, th- I think I read it in, in, your, in your mind, in your planning. You're like, for me, it's hard because oh, I know so like a sense. lot of the background. You do, so. right. Uh, which I tried to create or talk about context in the, in the background. What's the connection between this and that? Is this um, a guy that's sitting, you know, in his comfy chair, smoking a pipe, making the statement, or is this someone that's that's lived some real stuff? <laughs> Bonhoeffer's story, you got to know that he's in Germany. He sees all this stuff coming through the pipeline with, like, this Nazism and just crazy. And the church, like, bending over backwards to support it. Or and turning he's like, a blind eye. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I got to get out of here. He moves to the U.S., and then has this conviction, like, no, I need to go home and be a part of the solution instead of just escaping. He goes back, uh, and then all the stuff goes down. He's arrested and tried and uh, ultimately killed for what he believed. And he wrote these letters, uh, letters and papers from prison. A fantastic book read, especially it feels it reads like a memoir. I don't know if you've if you've read that one, but some of his other stuff that he wrote, like he wrote like a book called Life Together: The Cost of Discipleship. Those are fantastic books. They're just really hard to read. Letters and papers from prison feels more personal. It feels like memoir stuff, and so and I like memoir stuff. So he maybe doesn't that, have anyone to impress. He just wants to make sure that this is heard by someone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so in those writings, he begins to offer advice to people who are who find themselves in this system. Well, what do we do? Like, we want to be a part of the solution. We don't want to leave and escape to America or escape to somewhere else. But we also, our kind of hands are tied in terms of, 
I mean, I also like being alive and providing for my family. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm in this broken system. How do I do this? And his quote was, our being Christian today will be limited to two things, prayer and doing justice among men, which that can be done at any given time. He's like, that's the base bottom line for this thing. What do you, what does it mean to be in connection with your heavenly father through like this prayer thing? And then also uh, doing justice among men, a, a, a key priority, hopefully a takeaway for us as we're trying, you know, Living in modern day America, we we don't even realize some of the benefits and the injustice that's being done on our behalf. We just like the fact that we can go get some stuff cheap at Walmart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so, what do we what do we do in the meantime? In that, so yeah, it's good. I like it. I'm excited for next week. We're gonna be talking through a little bit of chapter four, but primarily chapter five. Um, and there's a uh, leading up to that verse after chapter five. Amos goes into kind of some oracles and stuff. We're actually gonna just stop. It's gonna end in five. Um, cause I think the meat of his message gets it. And then it, there's like some extras on there that I'll give you some advice on uh, next week on if you want to continue and finish all through nine chapters, you totally can. Um, but, uh, up through five is enough to get us to the understanding of why a guy like Martin Luther King would utilize a passage in that text to identify it with the civil rights movement. And I mentioned it's important to know the background because the movements are going to change. The issues are going to change. Um, but how do we appeal to justice flowing like a river? So anyways, that's all next week. Uh, let's close this thing out real quick with uh, our Say Something Interesting. You want to go first? I think I went first last week. Sure. Right. Um, I would love watching like short documentaries on Facebook, documentaries being like you know, these six to 12 minute little cool snippets. And I saw one the other day and it made me look up this person's social media. It's a lady and her husband. Her name is Kendra Allenby, A-L-L-E-N-B-Y. Uh, and she and her husband just finished, actually, I think last week, hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm, cool. Uh, but one of the coolest things is that she's a illustrator, and she illustrated her journey throughout the trail. Uh, so you can find her on Instagram. It's her first name, Kendra underscore Allenby. And one of my, like, the things that her illustrations remind me of most is uh, the illustrations, and I'm going to say his name wrong, Rhoda Dow. Like James and the Giant Peach, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Roald Dahl. Roald yeah. Dahl. Yeah. yeah, it looks like Ronald, but there's no N no. in there. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, it looks a lot like that kind of like cutesy, cartoony style. Um, but she just, she says, she was kind of torn in this little mini documentary that I watched. She's like, I'm in the middle of nature. But the things I'm drawn most to illustrating are like the people you meet on the trail. and Just like the funny circumstances of like we're two married people trying to not kill each other because we've been, you know, <laughs> spending every single looking moment together yeah. as we hike this trail. So it was just very kind of like whimsical and cool to follow her journey. She hasn't posted a ton from the trail on her Instagram, but I'm sure that will, because she didn't have consistent cell or internet service and probably wanted to disconnect a little bit. Uh, so now that she just finished the trail about last week, I'm anticipating more to come out, but it's worth checking out. Very cool. Kendra Allenby. Kendra underscore Allenby. Cool. The Instagrams. That's awesome. Uh, so we, oh man, I was, I was going to do something. I'm going to go a different direction. Every time. Every time. No, I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> Got to write it down so you remember the other thing for next week. Yep, I will because I can talk about it next week. All right. Uh, so Friday night, no, Saturday night, Saturday night, we got an invite from, we have a, we have a team of people who, uh, meet in their home in Walla Walla and a host, basically a small group and, uh, watch our talks from the previous weekend, uh, on the big screen and they do dinner together. And it's kind of a cool, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's a, 
fun. Uh, we, we tried to get something started in Walla Walla, like a, an actual service type thing in the evenings. And uh, then we lost our space. And so it translated to this and they're still meeting. So anyways, one of them called me up and invited me and Kylie out to a, uh, a salmon bake in the city, in the town of Waitsburg, Washington, which is about a 45 minute drive. It's a really small town on your way to, uh, well, I don't know, what, what on, your on, your way to way to, on your way to Dayton, maybe a little bit on your way to Walla Walla, you can get through to Walla, it's about 20 minutes from Walla Walla, uh, on your way to the Tucannon, so if you're going to go fishing and camping in the Tucannon, it's there, um, really small town, It's at, it was at their fairgrounds, I, you, I'm using air quotes on their fairgrounds, um, <laughs> Parking lot. it was like a big old like pole building out in kind of the middle of nowhere, and we pulled up, and there were literally hundreds of people for this awesome salmon bake. And it was put on by the Lions Club or Rotary or something, one of those Kiwanis things or something like that. And we get in, and I, I Kylie couldn't go, but my, I took my father-in-law, and we're uh, we're talking like, I wonder how many people. I mean, Waitsburg's not that big. I mean, you, it's got like a cool coffee shop in there, and then like, like a little grocery store, and then it's pretty much there's like a park. Uh, there's a, I guess there's a brewery. I guess there's, a, there's there's some stuff you should probably check out Waitsburg, uh, and. Uh, then we, we drive out there and it ends up being probably close to 500 people, which is, I guarantee it's more than the people who live in Waitsburg. I bet the town doubled in size while we were there. And the food, like, I don't know, anytime you're like doing a buffet food type thing or it's like mass produced and they're just trying to pump it all out, you're usually like, eh, it's not that great, but whatever. This salmon was unbelievable, Margo. It was probably tell the me that. best my meal I've had in a month. Oh, and, and that's not to say anything about my wife's cooking. I'm just telling you, it was like, and they piled it on. It was like a huge piece. And they asked me if I want another one. I'm like, I'll come back. And I was so stuffed I couldn't do it. It was an awesome night. And I've come to find out, they do a crab feed. They do a buffalo feed. Uh, they do salmon, and I think they might do one more, and I, I don't know what it is. But so like four times a year or whatever, they just they just pack these places out and have incredible food. It, it was really cool. Um, I was I probably the only person not wearing Wranglers uh, in the building, <laughs> um, but uh, we had I did wear flannel just for the the occasion, and it was it was a really great night. So thanks to Bill and Pat for the invitation, and uh, it, it, get on some sort of an email list if it ever works out with your if you're listening and it works out with your calendar. Um, take the drive. It's a fun drive. It's 45 minutes. So it's a fun, like, I mean, I went with my father-in-law, so I, I hesitate to use the word date, but it's a fun date in terms of <laughs> you have great conversation on your way there. You ate a great meal. I'm sure it goes to a good cause. I have no idea. I don't, I didn't hear about it, but it, it wasn't like some dude at the front putting in his pocket, right? They're probably doing some great, great work. So, um, check it out. A lot of fun. Waitsburg, uh, 10 ton coffee is the coffee shop just opened this last year. Doesn't feels like it should be in Portland. It's super weird, but it's awesome. Like super cool, good coffee. Too cool for <laughs> You're like what? And the and the guys running it are like like hipster tight jeans. Probably just big going beards. off off the grid, man. Dude, I'm telling you, it's it's a it's a find. It's cool. it's really cool. So check them out too. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of Say Something Interesting. It's kind of a long one today, so thanks for sticking it out with us. We're glad that you did. Next week we conclude our flipping table series. If you're in town, we'd love for you to join us for that 9:30 and 11 o'clock at the Uptown Theater. If nothing else, we'll be back to discuss it and close it all up next week. Have a great week, guys. See ya.